So uh, we're going to continue last week's lesson uh, on, we're talking about the purpose of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Raise of hands. <laughs> what book of the Bible can we find that there are three that bear record in heaven? Raise your hand if you know the answer. Brittany. Oh, she's got the whole thing. All right. First John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Excellent, excellent. Remember that verse. That's a good verse. It's a good verse. <clears throat> All right. So we're in... Uh, hold on. Let me get this started here. Do, 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 do. All right. So we're, uh, we're continuing off um, with our lesson from last week. We're in Hebrews chapter 2. And we're talking about the purpose of the incarnation, the, the, the Word taking on flesh. What was the purpose of all that? Um, we, we established with our first lesson that Jesus Christ, as the Word, preexisted His incarnation. He does not create it at the incarnation. He took upon that body that was prepared for Him at the incarnation. And uh, so that's when the incarnation occurred, when the Word took on flesh, and He was named Jesus Christ of Joseph and Mary as the angel told him to. Now, we talked last week, what's the purpose of the incarnation? We looked all the way back to Job and looked how Job said, I just wish there was a daysman that was between me and God so that I could, I could communicate with God and I could bring my case to him and plead with him. And he said, I don't have anybody like that. There's nobody that can lay their hand on God and upon me and uh, bring us together. And he says, I wish there was that daysman, the one who's an arbiter or mediator between me and, uh, me and God. Well, of course, we know that Jesus Christ, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that, that was what Jesus Christ became, was that daysman, the mediator that Job pleaded for um, <clears throat> back in Job uh, 9 there. And then we brought, we brought it up to Hebrews chapter 2, and we started looking at, there's four reasons in Hebrews chapter 2 why, well, or what the purpose was for the incarnation. We looked, first of all, that it was in verses 9 and 14, it was so that he could taste death for every man. Um, it was necessary for, for God to take on flesh so that he could die. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about this in a second, but uh, Christ had to pay the wages of sin, and the wages of sin is death. And God can't die. So he had to take upon that body of human flesh. And in the process of doing that, he destroyed the devil. Um, the second purpose of uh, the incarnation was we looked at, we touched on it very briefly, that uh, look at uh, verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 2. It says that for in, him, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He had to be tempted um, like humans are. We, we talked a little bit about Matthew 4, the temptation of Christ, how that not only was it a temptation of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but it was way deeper than that. It was a temptation for him to do things that were commanded for him to do in the scriptures, he was supposed to provide bread in the wilderness for his people. He was supposed to, at some point in time, show his glory. And he's supposed to take over the kingdoms of the world. The devil is just tempting him to do all those things at the wrong time. That's a lot more of a subtle and sinister temptation than just saying, hey, eat when you've been fasting. Um, and th th that kind of temptation against the Lord Jesus Christ when he was weak and after 40 days of, tempt of uh, fasting, um, that kind of temptation, I mean, I I've never had to deal with anything like that, have you? Um, but that the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with that all the way up until his death when he was tempted on the cross. Come down from the cross and show that you're God. And he finished that sacrifice. 
But the great thing about his temptation was he had to do that. Um, that's one of the reasons why he was, became a man, because he had to endure temptation as a man endures it. But um, Hebrews 4.15 says that he endured it without sin. And that's important, because if he had sinned, our redemption is, is null and void. Um, it had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. So the two reasons we talked about last week, he had, to, he had to taste death for a man. He had to be tempted as humans are. Now this one, this next point kind of follows with that last point a little bit. So let's look at the, uh, the third reason why um, Jesus Christ had to be made for us, or the word had to be made flesh. But let's, uh, let's pray before we get too, too far into this here. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of this uh, doctrine of the incarnation, Lord. We, we, uh, Lord, I don't understand what you felt in your, in your heart loving us like you did to do all this for us. But um, I thank you that it's true and that, Lord, through all this, you've saved us and redeemed us to yourself and given us eternal life. Pray you just help us to understand this truth more today and uh, to be able to bolster the uh, truth of the deity of Christ. And uh, we just uh, pray that uh, this would be uh, profitable for everybody here and edifying to them and strength to them, encouragement to them, and that you just help my words to be exactly what you want them to be and help me to teach correctly here the Word of God. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, once we get done with this lesson, uh, we're going to be going into this just scriptural proofs of the, of the deity of Christ, different scriptures that just showed Jesus Christ was God, Jesus Christ was God. And then the last lesson, I think it's going to be the last lesson I want to do. I want to do this. I wanna, I'm going to bring in a bunch of the other so-called Bible versions, and I'm going to show you what they do with the deity of Christ in those versions. And uh, I enjoy doing that because I disdain those versions. Sorry if you have a problem with that. Um, but they, they don't... They don't <laughs> Um, they do not believe what this book teaches, okay? And there was a, there was a, there's a concerted effort. I don't care which version it was from which year. They all have agreed together against the word of God about some of these things, especially the deity of Christ. So we'll show that. Um, if you can make it for that lesson, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be exciting. It'll be fun. And uh, it'll be informative, too. So, All right, so let's get to what we're talking about today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look at verse 10. <clears throat> Verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 2 says this, For it became him, that means that this was suitable or appropriate or it was necessary for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, what, what was becoming of him? To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now that's an interesting statement. Um, it says they need, Jesus Christ needed to be made perfect and through the sufferings that he experienced. And uh, look, we know, we know Jesus Christ was God. And we know that Jesus Christ was sinless. But what, is this, what does it mean he had to be made perfect? Well, there's a few things that God cannot experience. We already talked about one. He talked about he can't die. God can't die. Um, and also, you know what? God can't be tempted. James chapter 1 says God cannot be tempted with evil. So how in the world can God experience those things unless he becomes a man and he perfects his experiences through that way? So the Lord Jesus Christ above becoming flesh and growing up and living as a man sinlessly to die, he was being made perfect in the experiences that he had. Um, many of the things we're going to talk about here could not be experienced by God. Some can, but not all of them can. Um, uh, look at this. Uh, turn over to Hebrews 5, just a couple chapters forward. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5, 
And look at this um, verse 8. It says this, talking about Jesus Christ, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, see the connection there? He had to learn some things, and when he learned them, he became perfect. We're not talking about he had to grow into deity. We're not talking about that, that kind of nonsense with Mormon doctrine and all that stuff. We're talking about he had to experience some things that God had never experienced or could not experience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. What does God, who does God have to obey? God doesn't have to obey anybody. He's God, but Jesus Christ did. He had to learn that, and it made him perfect. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. So, uh, this, like I wrote in your, your notes, it says, shows that as a man, Christ had to learn obedience. That's something that he had to, so part of him becoming a man, part of taking on flesh was he had to be made perfect in some things that God could not experience. Um, <clears throat> look, uh, let's, let's just talk about a couple of these things. Let's get some verses out here. Uh, brother, brother, can you get John 4, 6? <clears throat> uh, brother Mark, can you get John eleven thirty five? 35? Tim, Neil, can you get Luke twenty two forty four? 44? And pastor, can you get John nineteen fifteen, please? Just a few things we'll go over what Christ had to experience, um, some of these that God could not as, 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 a God, as God. All right, John 4, 6. We can read that nice and loud for us. Jesus being weary. You think God's ever weary? The Lord, Bible says the Lord's, the Lord's arm is not heavy. In other words, he's not getting tired of that he can't save. Jesus was. Jesus got weary. He got tired. He sat down at the well there, waiting, and then he uh, had that appointment with the, with the Samaritan woman. John eleven thirty five, 35. You know, very famous verse. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus endured grief for all the things that were going on there in John chapter 11 with Lazarus, not only because of the death of Lazarus. I think it's less, I don't, I don't think it's so much for the death of Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise him. I think it's for the, the uh, hardness and the unbelief of the hearts of the people that were there. Mary and Martha, you know, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, you know, don't you believe I can raise him from the dead? And she says, I believe that you're the son of God. He's like, that's not what I said. <laughs> you know, just that whole, the whole blindness of their eyes and Jesus. But Jesus endured grief. He wept. Uh, Luke twenty two forty four. <clears throat> Jesus Christ endured stress when he prayed to his father. He was completely in submission to his father. He said, you know, Father, if it be, if, if it be willing, let this cup pass from me, but not, as, not my will, but thou. But the, he's thinking about that cup of the sufferings and of the sin of all humankind being put upon him and him having to endure that sin, one who never knew sin. And he's just, he's just enduring great amount of stress so much that, I mean, people claim that this is that... Um, uh, you probably know what this is called, don't you? When you sweat, so you stress so bad that your sweat gets turned. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But there's a name for it where you, you're under such stress that the, the blood vessels burst in your body and it actually causes your sweat to bleed at the same time. And that's, that's the amount of stress that Jesus Christ was under. You think God's ever stressed out? I don't think so. I don't think God's ever stressed out. But Jesus Christ was looking forward to what he had to endure. Now, thank God that he looked beyond that to the joy that was coming after that, and he endured the, the, the shame and the pain there. 
um, that he had to go through. But he, he dealt with stress all the way up through that thing. Um, and, you know, I didn't put this in here, but he had to deal with pain. He had to deal with pain. Think about, I'm just, in preparation for tonight's message, I'm just, I was reading through the, the story of the crucifixion. And I tell you something, man. I wouldn't have lasted about half a minute with that thing. And he went all the way through from midnight up until he was crucified, six hours on the cross, enduring pain. God doesn't, God doesn't, doesn't have to deal with pain, but Jesus Christ did. Um, John 19, 15. <clears throat> Now, this is something that God did have to experience. It's rejection. But um, Jesus Christ as a man, all he did there is walking among them and uh, healing their sick and raising their dead and having compassion upon them and forgiving their sin. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Um, And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Jesus Christ had to endure rejection. And all of this... What does it say back in Hebrews 2.10? It says, this was necessary, he became a man, it was necessary to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. This was one of the reasons why Christ had to become a man, because God could not endure death. God could not experience temptation of evil. God could not experience weariness or stress or pain, things like that. So Jesus Christ had, and he could not, he could not learn how to be obedient We'll, talk, we'll, we'll hit it at the end of the lesson, but uh, Jesus Christ had to become, excuse me, sorry. Uh, Jesus Christ had to become a man and re- reduce himself to that uh, servanthood to uh, be able to experience, understand what it was like to obey and be subject to somebody. Um, and even from the beginning of his life, the Bible says he was subject unto Mary and Joseph. God of all creation, he made Mary and Joseph, and he's subject unto them. Um, then those are the kind of things. So Jesus Christ had to be made perfect because, you know what, if he was just God and somehow came down and died and, and, um, for our sin, we would say, well, you don't know what it's like to be tempted. You don't know what it's like to lose your dad. You don't know what it's like to be in stress over this and over that. You don't know what it's like. But he does know what it's like. And that's one of the reasons why he had to be made a man, so that he could be made perfect in those under, understanding of those things. So that's reason number three. Reason number four is this. Look at verse 17. Hebrews 2.17 says, Wherefore in all things, so all these things we've been talking about up until now, wherefore in all things it behooved him. We talked about behooved before. That just means it was, it was necessary, it was appropriate for, him to be, for this to happen. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Why? Here it is that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Look also, um, well, we'll, we'll get, to that, get to that in a second. But number, number, number four, um, one of the reasons why he had to be made a man was so that he could be merciful and he could be faithful as a high priest. Look over it again at chapter five again. <clears throat> you know, Hebrews is building the case for what the purpose of the Old Testament law was. It was a shadow, it was a type, it was a picture, it was a pattern, but it was not the thing that God intended to take away sin. It was there to show the nation of Israel what was necessary, but it was not the thing that was necessary. Um, He says the offerings of those uh, sacrifices could never take away sin until Christ 
one time uh, laid down his life and was, uh, was made that sacrifice for man. But here, as, we're build, as, as, it, as this author of this book is building the case, he's talking about this Old Testament economy, this Old Testament law. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? Now, as far as man goes, that's because the rest of the verse, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. But how can God have compassion upon a man unless he's made perfect, like we just talked about, by those experiences? So one of the, the fourth purpose is that he was made a man so that he could be a compassionate and a merciful high priest, understanding the things that men and women go through as they're tempted, as they suffer, as they deal with the things of this life, and uh, under, uh, understand that, um, what, they're, what they're going through. Um, look back at chapter 2, verse 18. <clears throat> Talking again about the temptation issue. Verse 18 says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. What does that word sucker mean? It means to run to or to run to the support of. It means to help or relieve when in difficulty, want, or distress, to assist and deliver from suffering. And that is what Jesus Christ was able to do because he himself suffered being tempted. We talked last week about is it, was it possible? Um, William asked me a couple weeks ago, is it possible that Christ could have sinned? That's an interesting question, one of those kind of philosophical questions. Could, it, could this have happened? But um, I believe that, yes, it was possible. Otherwise, there would be no suffering involved in temptation. You can't suffer being tempted if you can't give into it. There's no suffering there. Just bound, rolls off your back. What, what, what are you going to worry about? But suffering is enduring the temptation, and uh, that's what Jesus Christ did. Um, and he did not sin, of course. He was tempted, but without sin, Hebrews 5 tells us. So what was the purpose? So that he can help. He can succor. He can, he can understand, be merciful, and compassionate on those that are dealing with the temptations of sin and understand the, the, uh, the pains of sin, all that kind of stuff that sin brings into the life of an, of an individual. Um, look, look back at Hebrews chapter 4. And we've hit some of these verses a couple times, but Hebrews chapter 4, again, says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. If it was just, if it was just God, if Jesus Christ was just deity, that statement would not be true. We, we would have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But that's, that's not the case. Jesus Christ became man, God became a man, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. He was tempted like as we are, therefore he can be touched with our feelings. He can be touched with understanding what our infirmities are like. And he can help us because of that. And so the purpose for Christ, for, for God, the word to be made flesh, he had to die. That was, that was the primary thing. It had, he had to be able to die because that is the payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. And the gospel is wrapped up in that, um, how that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. Number two, he had to be endured the temptation to prove that the law could be kept, that the law was righteous, then show what true righteousness was, but he had to be tempted without sin. Three, he had to be made perfect in the experiences 
that man suffered for the cause of number four so that he could be compassionate upon us. He could be merciful unto us and faithful and can help us in that time of need that we have. And uh, so that's, that is the purpose. That is why Christ had to become flesh. And Christ became, because of all this, became that daysman that could lay his hand upon God because he was God and could lay his hand upon man because now he was man and experienced all that. And now he becomes our mediator between God and man. And that is the purpose of the, of the incarnation. And I wanted to take that aside in these lessons to talk about that because you can't, with Jesus Christ, you can't separate the two. He is all God, and he's all man. He's not half God, half man. And it's not more important that he was God, more important that he was man. It is necessary for both of those to occur. Um, and so that's why I wanted to bring, kind of take this aside into the incarnation, even though it's not part of the deity thing. Now, lastly today, before we wrap up this lesson, <clears throat> I do want to talk about what was the purpose as his deity, We've talked about what was the purpose of as his humanity, but what was the purpose of Christ as deity coming down and doing all this? So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 7. So we're going to shift away now from why he had to become a man, and we're going to talk about why it was necessary that he was also God. <clears throat> Look at um, verse 22. And we'll read down here, starting verse 22. It says, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. You see, that Old Testament could not make anybody perfect. This is a better testament. And we talked about when that testament, when does that testament start? That New Testament starts when? What event? Not when he was born. Okay, let's take, let's take it on the side here. Really quickly. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. When does the Testament start? The New Testament starts when? Verse 15 of chapter 9. I don't want you to miss this because this is important. This is one of those important, rightly dividing the word of truth things. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Think about it. The gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the New Testament, is that Christ died for our sins. That's when it starts. So I understand. We got Matthew, and you got, you know, the wise men coming, and you got the, the life of Jesus Christ and all of that, but they are living under the Old Testament economy until he dies. And then the New Testament starts. So, sorry, that was an aside, but I do want you to understand that. That's, that's important to understand because there's some things that happen in the book of Matthew that are still under the Old Testament economy, and you'll get all messed up if you start pulling stuff out of there and saying, this is for a New Testament Christian. So understand that. Um, all right, sorry. Didn't mean to take that little rabbit trail, but it's important to know. Uh, all right, so verse 22 in Hebrews chapter 7. <clears throat> By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, 
And truly, and they truly were many priests, these are the Levites, they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to main to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now look back um, at verse um, 24. Now, we know that Jesus Christ could die because he was a man, but because he was God, what could he do? He could rise from the dead. And so that's why in verse 24 it says, you know, those Levites, they had this priesthood, but they died, and every, every year they were dying, and those Levites are dying off, and they had to get another priest to get in there and be the, be the high priest uh, year after year. But this man, verse 24, because he continueth ever, look at it, hath an unchangeable priesthood. I don't have to worry about this testament ever changing again. This thing is signed, sealed, and delivered, done. And it's never going to change, and I have eternal redemption because of it. Verse 25, look at what it says, seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession, what is he able to do? He's able to save them to the uttermost. I can't be any more saved, and you can't be any more saved than you already are. You're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus because he hath an unchangeable priesthood because he can't die anymore. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And that is one of the, that's, this is the purpose, as because he was God, he could do this. If he was just a man, sure, he could die, but he couldn't have an unchangeable priesthood because he wouldn't be continuing ever. Now, because he's God as well, he continueth ever, therefore there will never be a change to the priesthood. Because he ever liveth, he's able to save us to the uttermost so he can always offer intercession to God for us. That never, I'm never going to have to worry about, oh, where am I going to get my next high priest? Because my high priest died. No, Jesus Christ is there, ever living, to make intercession for me and you. And verse 26, I love this verse. This is something I love about the English language. You might say this is a deficiency of it. I think it's a, a benefit of it. Look at this. For such an high priest became us. Well, what's the word became mean? Um, <clears throat> the strict de dictionary definition of became means it was appropriate or fitting. So this, this verse says, for such an high priest became us. This was appropriate. This was what we needed. This was fitting for us. A priest who would never die and never pass away so that the priesthood would never change, so that I always had an intercessor. Um, and that was appropriate for us because that's what we need. We, we had, we've, we've had it with all the priests dying every year and having to get a new high priest, and they're sinners just like us, and we never had a continuing priesthood. So Christ coming as a man and as God was fitting for us, and it was appropriate for us. But Think about this, dual application of this verse. Such an high priest became us. Do you know that's what he did? He became a man. He became us. He had to. He had to become a man. He became us so that he could uh, <clears throat> perform that, all, the, all the things that we just talked about, becoming a man and, and experiencing all that. God became a man. So he, be, he became, it became us to have a priest like this. It was fitting. It was necessary. But you know what? He also became us. He, he, he became a man just like, just like we are. And uh, you know what? This, if you look at, I was talking, we talked about modern versions in the beginning of this. If you look at the modern versions, it doesn't say that in the modern versions. It doesn't say he became us. It, said, it says he was, a, he was, uh, was a suitable or was appropriate. And we lose that. That, that meaning there, that he actually became a man. So I think that's interesting there. All right, so we, we, we opened this whole uh, 
lesson about the, the deity of Christ, talking about God, uh, Jesus Christ in Colossians 2.9, that he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's what we talked about. As, as in a body, he was the Godhead all, all wrapped up into one. But let's, look, let's close the lesson today with Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> all of that we talked about kind of gets summed up in this passage here. <clears throat> Philippians 2, please. No, oh, Colossians 2.9 is just the, the fullness of the Godhead battle. This is not in your notes. This, this one's not in your notes. Philippians chapter 2. Colossians 2.9, just, just reiterate, we just reiterate that point, that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is, he is the, the visible representation of God the Father. He is our intercessor. He's the one that brought the comfort to, comforter to us, the Holy Spirit. And he is uh, the fullness but bodily, that was the point of that, of that point. He, he is in a body of flesh. Now, Philippians chapter 2, this is a pretty familiar passage, but think about it in terms of the fact of what God had to do to gain our redemption. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This was the mind of Christ who being in the form of God, that was back when he was the word. So this was in his mind before his incarnation. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. That condescension that's just described right there, it was in the mind of God to redeem man that, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm God. I'm perfectly equal with God, but I'm going to come down and humble myself and be conceived in the womb of a woman, spend nine months in that womb, be born of a woman, have to be, every one of my needs be taken care of by Mary and Joseph and not be able to do anything for myself for years, grow up in subjection to Human parents, when he's God, when he made them, we talked about this, humble myself, become a servant. And beyond that, being found in fashion as a man, humble himself even more and suffer the death of the cross. And that is, that is God in his mind saying, this is what I got to do to redeem mankind. And he becomes a man. We saw the purposes for it. And as God and man, we saw the purposes for that. And he humbles himself to do all this so that you and I, who sinned against him and don't serve him like we ought to and forget about him when he blesses us and only run to him when we have a problem, he says, I'm going to redeem that person and I'm going to suffer all this for them. And uh, that's something to think about. Um, if you're going to be here tonight, that's what I'm going to preach about tonight. I want you guys to think about the amount of condescension that God had to do to save our souls. Um, and this is all wrapped up in the, the, the fact that everybody looks at Jesus Christ and, uh, oh, the man, um, yeah, he was a man, but he was God. Um, and uh, he did all this, put all this together so that we could be redeemed. So next week, we'll talk about, we're going to go through verse, verse by verse by verse, just showing verses in the Bible that um, 
prove the prove and state the deity of Christ in different different manners in different ways. And then whenever we finish with those, whatever weeks beyond that, we'll go through and we'll see what the new versions do to corrupt all that and uh, show you that there is an attack against the deity of Christ and you need to be careful um, where your authority is. So.